Welcome to the Max Moo Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Lindsay Behrens, and this is our preview of the January Theater Festivals. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are here to discuss the grand January festivals. Woo! And as always, we shall start with introductions. Jack. Hi, I'm Jack. Uh, I work at the Public Theater in New York City. My views, as always, are my own. And I was thinking this is the fourth time that we've done the festival preview. It's been four years. It is. God. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. I can't believe it either. Okay, and we have a new contributor, <gasps> Lydia. Please introduce Hello. yourself. My name is Lydia. I'm the editor of CultureBot. I'm very happy to be here. And your expertise is Thanks, dance. Guys. Yes, I'm we a dancer so and choreographer and dance writer. Oh, awesome. this is going to be great. Yes. <laughs> no, we've never had a no, dance. Do you want to ask me what dance is? Ever. We never I have don't have an answer. Teach me how to dance. Is dance. It's huge. It's very yeah. huge, especially this year. Yeah. All right. And Jose. I'm Jose from Stage Buddy, and today my views are Mariah Carey's. Oh, <laughs> too soon. Why? I don't know. I, I, I mean it from a place, I come from a place of pure love for Of her. pure love, yeah. yeah. No, we, we, uh, we, we wish you a, a speedy recovery, Mariah Carey, yeah. from the National Embarrassment. I'm actually wearing the same like, outfit that she wore on New Year's, except people obviously can't see it, but all of you can. <laughs> but we trust. We, we confirm. We yes. can corroborate. <laughs> Okay, and my name's Lindsay. I run the MaxMoo podcast. My day job is that I do consulting for nonprofits, and I recently started a contract for the public theater. We so, accept you, one of us. As a matter of conflict of interest disclosure, I'm letting everyone know that. And so. We're going to we, get lunch and stuff, right? Yeah, we're going to hang out all the time. Yeah! <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> Take that, Polaris Horizons. Um, and oh, I guess just to close the loop on that one of the festivals under the radar is affiliated with the public theater so that will be mentioned today and in our future podcasts and today we're just going to talk about what we are excited to see there are so many festivals there are so many shows that we couldn't possibly cover them all but we are going to talk about what we're most excited about yeah so jack why do you kick us off Okay, I always feel like this is the thing I've done for four years, which is sort of like assess the terrain, like explain the lay of the land for any listeners who are not familiar with the magical time of year. Mm -hmm. That is the first couple of weeks in January in New York City. As all of the sort of main theaters, sort of the lifeblood of um, off-Broadway and Broadway theater and beyond, uh, is sort of just getting started back to their spring seasons, um, a bunch of theaters, big and small, sort of take over the city with festivals that are best described as sort of a collections of the delightfully strange and weird and international um, and and multidisciplinary art forms. And a, a lot of those uh, festivals are under the radar festival, as previously mentioned, the Public Theater, um, the Coil Festival, run by PS122, American Realness, which is at uh, Abrams Art Center in the Lower East Side. And I'm leaving a big one out. Prototype, which is an opera slash, mostly opera festival um, that Come is just on, its own say thing. It. Musical theater. It's Musical not theater a dirty as well. Word. Yeah, it's okay. So that's what's going. On. And 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 uh, I'm going to sound remarkably unprepared today by design, and that's because one of the reasons this is my favorite time of year is because I get to, for the only time ever in a calendar year, sit down in a theater seat with no idea of what I'm about to watch, including at my own theater. So this is very, very exciting to me. But I'm going to actually start with a show that is not at the public. Um, it is an opera based on, uh, at the Prototype Festival, uh, based on the Lars von Trier film Breaking the Waves. 
Um, and there's a couple reasons I'm excited about this. One, I love that movie. It's a movie about the, it takes place in Scotland and guy gets paralyzed and it's a whole thing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very moving, strange, super Danish movie. Um, and they went ahead and made an opera out of it um, by uh, Missy Mazzoli, who wrote the opera with libretto by Royce Vavrick. Now, Royce Vavrick is one of the great sort of like hopes for contemporary opera. I'm not an opera person, but every opera that I've loved in the past few years has involved Royce in some way, shape, or form. So this is taking place at the Prototype Festival. Um, it's been around, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but it was uh, in Philadelphia last year and I think a couple of other places. But I'm just very interested to see something super bleak and sad that is a contemporary opera. And the only thing, <laughs> I just am, I don't know, it feels like after 2016, this is going to be a good sort of like... I don't know, this will help us glide down from the, the tragedy and the awfulness we experienced, and uh, then I'll end the podcast with something a little lighter. But uh, yeah, Breaking the Waves of the Prototype Festival. Did I totally not sell this show at all? No, you did. <laughs> An opera based on a Lars von Trier you bet. movie about a man who is paralyzed is the most prototype-y prototype show yeah. there ever prototyped. Yeah, and prototype's great because it's it's. Uh, I'm assuming that a lot of people who listen to this podcast uh, don't frequent the opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that none of us really do. Maybe Lily, you do. Definitely no, not. so it's it's a nice little like you know training wheels opera thing. It's like you're not gonna fork over money to go to the Met, but you are gonna see something strange and weird um, and new. And I think that that's worth supporting. Um, but Royce Vavrick, like that, that is a name that you should know. And so go see this show. Cool. Thanks, Jack. Lydia. The first show I'm going to talk about is a show that premiered at the Invisible Dog this spring by Jen Rosenblit called Clap Hands, which just recently won the Bessie for Music, um, the Bessie Award, the New York Dance and Performance Awards. Oh, the I dance, didn't okay, dance great. Uninitiated, which used to be up at the Apollo Theater, and this year we're at BAM, which was cool. more fun for us Brooklyn Bates dance weirdos. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Clap Hands is a totally amazing show, which has been described, I think, as an overcrowded solo and it's sort of dis- it's displaying a solo form, but split among several bodies. And Jen is just the most intense improviser who I know, who, whose shows I see very often. She's just incredibly generous and really, really vulnerable and sort of sarcastic in her body in a way that's kind of strange and disorienting uh, and, and has worked with Effie Bowen, who's another performer who's in the show, who's totally incredible. Um, but the most, the strangest thing about this show is that there's this stack of fuchsia felt in the center of the space, and somehow everybody in the room ends up feeling really emotional about this fuchsia felt, and some some intimacy is is placed on the felt, and everybody sort of like is connected to the to the felt. Uh, and there's like this prosthetic of intimacy that happens with objects and bodies and is sort of, I think what, what Jen is grappling with is how to be an autonomous individual operating as part of a group and how we displace emotions onto each other and displace emotions onto objects. Um, and there's some really fun clubby music in it. Um, it's like really, really like true trance DJ music and some really serious dancing happens but what I remember most is all of the intense stillness and not really understanding why I still cared about these bodies when they weren't doing anything in the space. Um, and I'm excited to see it in a space that isn't the Invisible Dog because that that space, even in the evening hours, feels kind of full of natural light and it feels like a daylit space. But seeing it at Abrams, which is kind of cavey, 
I think is going to yeah. be more intense and a more appropriate venue for that. You know, and I'm excited to come back. It's, gonna, it's yeah. in the experimental. Ooh, I love space. that space. It's that place. Gives yeah, me the willies. <laughs> it gives me the willies every day I'm there, even when it's daylit, but particularly when it's really cavey and when it's yeah. American Realness time. Great. It's going to be a sure. good time. Oh, I have dates. Oh, it's, fantastic. It's <gasps> January 6, 7, 9, and 10, and it's $20. I think everything at Realness is $20. Cool. Yeah. Recommend. Jose. Okay, I'm actually shaking from how excited I am about this show that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> no, you're not. I am. Look. Oh, yeah, look yeah. at that. <laughs> like, ever since I found out that this was happening, I all I've wanted to do is talk about it, and it's uh, the Blueprint specials, which are part of Under the Radar. So the Blueprint specials are just, I guess, they're very fitting, because since the country is going back a, a few decades, starting on the 20th, they're going to put on a show that was originally conceived in 1944, and at the peak of World War II, the, um, oh God, I forget all the names of all the departments. Oh, the Special Services Divisions of the War Department commissioned uh, shows for the soldiers that were overseas. So what they would do is that they would get like the best Broadway composers and all the best talent they had, and they would create the shows, and they would package them with books and music and lyrics, costume designs, set designs, and special directions, so they could just send this to wherever the people were stationed and they could put on like a Broadway-type show. So uh, for the festival, uh, they're going to do one that was done by Frank Lesser, and it also has lyrics by the guy who wrote Unchained Melody. And the uh, choreography of those was by Jose Limon, who was one of the guys who like pretty much uh, like, yeah, like invented like an American dance. modern master yeah. person. And the dance numbers are, cho uh, no, not choreographed, but they were, uh, uh, oh God, composed by Alex North, who wrote like some of my favorite movies, course of all time, including Streaker and Desire and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. If all of those amazing things weren't like exciting enough, the part of the cast is going to be uh, actual army veterans who are going to take part in something that they probably haven't even heard about because this is something that not many people new existed at some point during the war and the the headliners are going to be oh my god laura osnes who i love mm -hmm. and will swenson and actually yes and actually uh at the end of last year i spoke to to osnes to laura osnes about a different project and i just kept geeking out about it and she was geeking out about it as well which means this is going to be like something really 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 special yeah, and you haven't even mentioned where Location. it's being performed. Oh yeah, it's at the. Oh god, it's a very long name. Hold on. The Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum. Museum. The yes, yeah. the USS what? the USS Intrepid, which yeah. is the decommissioned aircraft carrier. That's a boat, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. Uh, that is off. <laughs> that is uh, off the. It's it's permanently parked uh, on Twelfth Avenue and Forty Sixth Street, um, and is currently year round. They have exhibits, but it's primarily a museum about the Intrepid itself and about naval warfare. Um, and they occasionally will do uh, arts programming there, and one of them is Blueprint Special. So you will be on a warship watching uh, this wartime musical. If you haven't been to the Intrepid Museum in general, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I haven't even seen it. Is this yeah. an actual, like, ship? Yo, it's a giant, it's yeah. a it's giant aircraft, aircraft carrier. carrier. Like, planes are parked on the giant yeah. carrier. And anyway, if somebody right who was in the it's Navy right or the Marines heard you call it a boat, a boat. I think they would freak out. <laughs> I mean, it's an enormous. I mean, Wait, it's it's, it's a it's a floating community of things. Uh, people have parties there. I, I always see like you know. It's an of, entire city 
on yeah. a floating vessel. Wall Street douchebags always have like their holiday parties on the Intrepid, like that kind of stuff, you know. But it's the coolest experience of my life was landing on an aircraft carrier once. Someday I will tell you all that story. Fantastic. Anyway, Will Swenson, yay. We're both from Utah. Will Swenson on a boat. So I feel like we have a lot in common. I'm sure you do, yeah. He and I. Okay, anyway, excited for that. Thanks for bringing it to, thanks for bringing it up. Okay, I'm going to talk about Work Table, which is at Coil. It is by an artist named Kate McIntosh, who is from New Zealand and I believe uh, creates art now in Belgium. This show sounds so interesting. It's, they're, they're billing it as a live installation. It is at the Invisible Dog Art Center in Brooklyn. And I read the description, and it didn't give me a lot of hints, um, except to say that it was it is participatory, and you. Uh, I will give. I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna. T- I, then I read a review, and it gave me a lot more details. And I don't know if it's like spoiling it to give them more details, but I'm going to say so anyway. Basically, what happens is you go into a room, and there are a bunch of objects, and you select an object and then you are given like goggles and various tools of destruction and you uh, have the opportunity to break the object. And then you take your broken object and you take it to a second room where there are other broken objects and you leave your object and you select a different broken object that someone who preceded you at the event broke and you take it to another room and you repair it however you choose to reconstruct it and then you take it to the final room and you leave it there the whole thing takes about 15 minutes 15 minutes to repair a thing and well i i'm just saying like that's how that's the time you're allotted okay geez all right <laughs> i mean you could spend two minutes it doesn't matter you don't have to stay there's no one conducting your behavior because if i pick up a broken object i want to do a job you know I think you have the opportunity to stay longer if okay. you choose to. Excellent. But basically, that is the performance participation installation at the Invisible Dog. And I think it sounds fantastic. And I am super excited to break something like a ceramic dog or something or a record or, I don't know, <sighs> don't a musical instrument. Yeah. They oh have my been God. collecting these objects for ages at Just PS122. I don't know if I said it already, but this is at Coil. You know what I've never done in my life that I've always wanted to do is smash a guitar, like I they used to do on the. I seriously think there will be guitars there that may have the opportunity to do that. Great. Then someone has to repair it. No, they don't repair it in a, but like it's in a more in an artistic. I sense. see. Yeah. You like take things and you re put them together. You know the nature of art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know, like art, art. you know, like artists do. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you either start with a brain canvas or you have to break <laughs> what came before you and put it back together in your own original way, right. building on the tradition, the artistic tradition of your ancestors. I see. The lineage okay. I'm not familiar with this art you speak of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it sounds rad. I'm super excited about it. It doesn't sound rad. You okay. can be Man Ray, Jack. What's that? You can be Man Ray and like do your own like sculptures and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm going. It sounds awesome. <laughs> you get safety goggles. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, give me safety goggles and a hammer and a piece of porcelain. Yeah. All right. 
Jax, what do you have? <laughs> I just, I, I love, I love the simple joys. Um, at the end of the Radar Festival at the Joseph Pat Public Theater, uh, there for the last couple of years, we've had a festival within uh, that festival called Incoming, which are members of. Uh, uh, something we have at the public called the Device Theater Working Group, who are all performance artists of various stripes. And they, uh, during the end of the Radar Festival, the first week that we're about to come up on, they get two performances on a single day of whatever show that they've been working on. Um, And there's a couple of shows that I'm really, really interested in uh, that are going to be the incoming festival. The one that I'm the most excited about is one of the ones that I've seen already, which is called Hi, Are You Single?, by Ryan J. Haddad. Uh, Ryan is a, a friend of mine uh, who was actually an intern at The Public when I first started in the literary department. And he had mentioned offhand that he was a performer a couple of times. But you know, how many interns have come to The Public Theater who say that? <laughs> and then uh, he invited uh, me to a performance of the show, Hire You Single, which is a solo show that he wrote um, that is... One of the funniest, most beautiful solo performances I've ever seen. It's remarkable. Uh, for a bit of background, Ryan uh, has cerebral palsy and uh, walks with a walker. He is also a gay man and, in his own words, uh, says that he has a stronger sex drive than you. So this is a solo show that is loosely about his own life and his struggles to find love or lust, uh, particularly on apps like Grinder. Um, with the fact that he has a disability. And it is uh, more than what it sounds like. It is touching. It is funny. He's an incredible writer and storyteller. Um, There are some moments of intimacy that um, are unexpected and the sweetest sweetest form of audience participation that I've ever encountered in the theater. Um, so I think that this show is going to keep on rocking even after the festival, but if you can get tickets, uh, which are pretty scarce at this point to hire you single by Ryan Haddad, I, I, there's, I don't think there's anything I would recommend more highly in the incoming series than that. I also wanted to include an incoming show, they themselves and Schmerm, but it also is sold out. So I think those incoming tickets are hard to come by, but they did a great job selecting shows this year because yeah. I've seen that show by Becca Blackwell and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Lydia. I have another American Realness pick um, by Dana Michelle called Mercurial George. I first encountered Dana Michelle at Realness I think in 2014 with Yellow Towel, which I, th- I think was one of her first shows in New York. I, it felt like the first time anybody I knew had heard of Dana. Um, and everybody was really excited about this solo show that nobody had any real association about until it just sort of popped up at Realness. And my memory of that show is Dana in this kind of messy environment full of microphone cords. And I think there was a bottle of milk on stage that she may have poured on herself, some paint. And something was yellow, but I don't really remember there being a towel, and it didn't end up really mattering, sure. um, as will happen <laughs> at Abrams, you know. Yeah. And I remember being so shocked by her singular presence as a solo body in this environment that we weren't really sure if she was in charge of the environment or if she had found herself there. And she just really felt like a, like totally an alien and also very in command of her own state. And like she was able to move in and out of these altered states and take on these characters that I kind of believed were just happening spontaneously and it, it didn't really feel very constructed at all. 
Uh, and I, I just totally didn't understand it at all and left being totally stunned and couldn't stop thinking about it and went back and saw it again. And from what I can tell, this new work, Mercurial George, feels very much like a drilling down even deeper into this mode that she's created. Uh, and it has to do with all these kind of loaded signifiers of identity. She deals very explicitly with race and gender. Um, and she's just, she's such a confusing performer. And I think that every time she comes to New York, I I want to tell everybody I know to go see her. She's Montreal-based, I think, and works a lot in Europe. And this piece seems really, really special. And I'm super excited about it. Awesome. Are they? So apparently, excuse me, all of my picks today are of the archaeological nature because my next show, <laughs> my next show is uh, Anatomy Theater at Prototype, uh, which is a, a, a show composed by Pulitzer Prize uh, winner David Lang. And it's taken on actual medical texts from the 17th and 18th century, which follow the... Uh, the story of a murderess. I don't like that word, but it sounds like it reminds me of Chicago. It's like, <laughs> whatever. Like of, of, a, of a female murderer who uh, going all the way from like her uh, arrest to her trial and then to her execution and then to her dissection, which is, yep, which is where anatomy theater, I guess, comes from. Yeah. So audience members are assured they will get a free anatomy lesson as they see like I'm assuming like the the morgue guy what are those people called mortician yes yes yeah anyway <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I hope there will be like no toenail clipping oh <laughs> oh no wow. there's gonna be like bone sawing and stuff it's gonna be gross. oh I don't know about this one you were excited grim. about hammering stuff it's going to be the same. It's going to be the show. But, but it will be people. bones, yeah. Yeah, yeah human breaking is not as much then you get to put them together. The repair, breaking. though. Yeah, the repair. There's you know. a reason I'm not a doctor. Yeah, oh, yeah same here. Uh, I'm also really excited about the cast because uh, uh, there's uh, Peabody Southwell and Mark Kudish, who I love mm. so much. And I'm, I, I hope he's the guy who's dissecting people because can you imagine Mark Kudish? Like getting like a liver and like singing about the liver. Yeah, if you're gonna if yeah. if, you, if it's gonna be somebody, you'd want yeah. it to be more Kudish. Yeah. And it has a very like Sweeney Toddish kind of feel yeah. to it. I think it sounds yeah. like it. I hope we don't have to wear like raincoats or whatever for the splashing. Oh, I don't know. Splatter. I'm just being very morbid. When that, you said the sentence, the audience is assured, and then pause. I was <laughs> like, I have no idea what comes next. Yeah. <laughs> it's an anatomy lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I still have never been to a show where I've had to sign a waiver before. That's one thing I would I want to find. Oh, you haven't? I've never been to a show where I had to sign a waiver. I have definitely signed a waiver. Uh, oh, you know where I signed a waiver? Where? <laughs> Fly by night show with the pigeons. <laughs> oh well, yeah, because oh yeah, the yeah. Duke Riley thing. If we if you get shit on, it's not our fault, right? I think it was more about keeping stuff confidential. I am a hundred percent certain that was not. Oh, I signed like confidentiality but... stuff, but I've never signed like a if you like get twist injured. your ankle, it's not our fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even That's like what I was hoping panic, for this. panic, what, what are they called? Panic rooms, what are they called? Yeah. 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 Not even in those? No. Have you ever done one of those? In, in what? what do you, like what the escape you? rooms. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've done that. And you didn't sign the thing? I don't remember if I did. Oh, Maybe it was an online All deal. right, let's Doesn't keep matter. the waiver conversation well, for well, another well, episode. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the, the Bone Saw show is called what? Anatomy Theater. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's the title of the show? Yes. Oh, I thought that was the organization presenting it. I'm is so it? confused. I don't think so. Oh, it's anatomy theater. No, I'm wrong. I just didn't know. <laughs> I, I misread that when I looked it up. Okay, I'm doing another 
coil show. This one is called curtain, but the U is a V. I don't know if that changes how you say like it. Like in Roman times. Whatever. <laughs> it's by... I'm not wrong, am I? You're correct. An artist, Yahuda doing yes nailed it i actually looked up how to pronounce both the first and the last name so i would like credit for that assuming i did it correctly it It is at 151 gallery this show's only 10 minutes long (laughs) i'm getting increasingly shorter (laughs) 10 minutes long you said attention span is shrinking exactly it's a virtual reality show uh the description of it scares the shit out of me so basically the performance as you put on your like vr headgear which right. i'm i've never done i don't know if he has anyone oh, here yeah, ever done the vr stuff i've heard it's very cool yeah and uh, you are not in the in the vr world you are the performer not the audience member and oh. it is arranged such that whatever actions you do an audience responds to it wow yeah so if you do a little dance so there's a great Q&A with the artist in the Village Voice. Okay. So I'm just going to read a couple of his answers because I think they um, give sort of more of a sense of what he's going for. So the question, where did the idea for Curtain come from? I was an actor for many years, but also once worked as a theatrical fireproofer. Once on a break at 3 a.m. from fireproofing, I stood center stage at the in the empty Radio City Music Hall. It was so magical and beautiful seeing all the empty seats and the grand architecture stare silently back as I stood daydreaming, trying to fill the room with presence. Curtain grows out of those experiences. Tell us about the setup for the piece. Curtain puts you on a grand 360-degree 3D virtual reality stage, a personalized stage for one. You then have to move and bow to get a VR audience to respond. It's a game you play with the gestures of the theater. Doesn't that sound interesting? Sounds wonderful. Sounds very scary for me. Um, But but, yeah, it sounds awesome. Hopefully there's no like people watching actual people. That's what I'm hoping is that it truly is somewhat truly virtual reality in the sense that there's no like actual reality encroaching encroaching on um, the space and watching me do whatever dorky thing that I think it probably prompts you to do. I hope that is part of it. What? That uh, people are watching you with your headset being goofy. No. So we have the opposite hope. That's what, cr- that's okay. what we're saying, yes. Okay, um, but I just want to add that it is only 10 minutes long, but it's also only $10. So it's okay. cheaper than the other shows. Yeah. Do you know if the, if the VR audience is clothed or naked? <laughs> Oh, very good question. I wonder if there is something you can do to get it to switch. Right, like you could, like if you there was a if you said like pretend the audience is naked, suddenly the clothes fly off of the audience. Because there are so many different kinds of audiences. I don't know. This sounds like you need to do a Q and A with this artist in your own publication. I'm going tomorrow, and I'm terrified. I'm gonna need some Xanax for that. (laughs) I Mm. agree. Getting loaded beforehand. (laughs) Getting loaded before ten minutes show. Okay, Jack. Okay, so uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, performing collectives in the world is the Belarus Free Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a very strong, wonderful relationship with both uh, the public and with La Mama over the years. Uh, hopefully you know who they are, but if you don't, uh, they're a performing 
collective that was founded, uh, in, as the name would suggest, in Belarus uh, in 2005, uh, specifically with the purpose in mind to protest the human rights abuses and crack down on free thinkers and artists in Belarus. Um, and they, uh, every member of uh, Belarus Free Theater uh, pretty much has either been accosted or arrested um, by government officials uh, in the course of doing business. So they kind of live and perform underground, and they travel quite a bit as a direct result of being unable to perform in their own country. So they perform often in, in Western Europe. They perform frequently uh, in the United States when they do. They're usually here. So the Under the Radar Festival is once again hosting them the way we did a couple years back, uh, this time with a show called called In the Time of Women, which is uh, a show that I know very little about by design again, that is about three women who are actively trying to protest um, the oppressive uh, Belarusian government. Uh, that's all I know, but if uh, any, as anyone who can attest who's seen a Belarus free theater show, uh, is, it's a very sort of punk rock aesthetic. Uh, there's a lot of loud noises, a lot of energetic and insane movement. There's often uh, projectiles. Um, of various kinds. I saw a production uh, of a, they did an adaptation of Shakespeare in Chicago uh, about this time last year that I saw in which uh, peanut butter was thrown about the audience. Uh, I still have flecks of peanut butter in uh, the jacket I wore to that performance. Uh, I don't know what will be thrown about uh, <laughs> during the show, but whatever you expect going in, um, they're not going to give you that. Uh, it, they're very visceral, uh, wonderfully uh um, angry examples of great political protest theater. And uh, for reasons we've already touched upon today, we could use a little bit of that energy in New York uh, in the coming weeks. Great. I'm glad you highlighted them. Their work is always important. Always. Okay, Lydia. Okay, third pick. I have a really hotly anticipated duet on my list, um, which is part of COIL but it is a PS122 and Bershkov Art Center co-presentation. Full disclosure, my day job is at Bershkov Art Center. Um, this is a duet by Molly Lieber and Eleanor Smith called Basketball. I'm not, I don't know why it's called Basketball. I have no information about that, and I'm very curious. Molly and Eleanor have a really uh, specific type of collaboration. They only make duets, and they only work with each other, and it's only ever them. And the, the aesthetic is very minimal. It's it's actually just their two bodies on stage most of the time. And they have this they've developed this sort of improvisatory language together that is really co empowering and really permissive. And they they sort of encourage each other physically to do all of this kind of experimental stuff with emotionality and physicality. And they often seem to kind of be one body on stage, mm. even when they're not in direct proximity with each other. It's very, it's really eerie to watch them perform together. And they both dance for a lot of other choreographers. So this is not a totally monogamous situation <laughs> that they're dealing with in their work, but as makers, they only work together. Um, and it's at Bershtikov Art Center. And there's just a lot of dance world buzz about these two women and the way that they work together. And I don't, it's, I think they, some of the press language has to do with uh, uncovering past shames or reshaping past memories together or sort of reframing things that have happened in their personal pasts with each other, but with a tone of empowerment as opposed to a past tone of shame. So I don't, I don't totally understand how this might manifest, but they are the type of performer duo that I kind of would just watch sit still for hours and just not 
just just let the time go by and they're just incredibly compelling bodies basketball Molly and Eleanor yeah that is January 7th through 10th and it's also $20 dance cool. is cheap <laughs> <laughs> see dance <laughs> all right Jose my next show is um, an American Realness. And actually, before I start talking about it, I have to say that I'm kind of angry at this show, even though I haven't seen it, because it stole the name of my memoir, <laughs> which is This is a Musical by, <laughs> by dancer choreographer Carol Timinski, who's part of the uh, Universal Law of Impermanence Collective. When I was doing research on his work, one of the things that he did recently was something called Dollhouse, which I assume would be like Ibsen and like tragic. Sure. And it was not. <laughs> it was actually uh, a dance piece he did about, he wanted to criticize the American idea of utopia using the stereotype of like the 1950s perfect housewife. So he dissected like utopia using housewives from the 50s, which sounds amazing. Anyway, uh, I kept getting angrier at this show as I read more about it because it's also described as being a queer electronic fantasy, which was the second name that I was going to go for f- yeah. for my memoirs. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I have to find something new to do. <laughs> and the show basically has uh, Mr. Timinski and uh, a DJ musician called Mikhail Lakshiewicz, who's doing live music as, according to the description, the music comes out of the dancer's body. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds unbelievable. Well, it sounds like singing, but it's probably something way cooler than that. Yeah, like, <laughs> like fingertip. Like, yeah, right. Uh, and the, the it's just like oh, it's just singing. Oh, it's not that. The artist's <laughs> intent was that he wanted to evoke madness and pleasure with his performance. Hell yeah! So I mean, what else can you ask for, right? And the dates for that are from January sixth to tenth, and they're twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Dance. Twenty bucks. Before I do mine, does anyone have an additional show they want to do, or is everybody solidly in good place? There okay. are so many shows. Linda. There are so, so many, many shows, and I have like eight more I want to do. And so <laughs> instead of doing that, I'm just going to cheat, actually. Um, <laughs> because for listeners who are regularly tune into the podcast they know that my resolution my theater resolution from our end of the year episode was to engage more not just to observe more as is my norm at the theater and one of the great things about the january theater festivals is that almost all the festivals do additional programming to encourage engagement they have panels talkbacks, workshops, and some of them sound super, super interesting. So I'm just going to highlight briefly some of the various extra programming that several of the, the festivals are doing. So I'm going I'm, to, I'm just totally cheating and I'm going to do like 10 of these. Not really. Don't worry, listeners. It's not going to go on that long. <laughs> But the first one is at a festival that we have not talked about called the Fire This Time Festival. Sorry. My notes. (laughs) 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 I am impressed. (laughs) The Fire This Time Festival provides rising playwrights of African and African-American descent a platform to write and develop work. Uh, This year, it includes a 10-minute play festival, several full-length play readings, excerpts from solo shows, a reading of excerpts 
from the second cycle of the Writers Group and Open Mic Night, a web series event, and a special Fire This Time Festival edition of New York Madness. So their extra programming is so interesting. I just, I actually, I hope we can all attend this because they are doing a panel discussion called I Hate Your Work. It is in collaboration with The Field. Um, it is both a panel and a workshop a week later to examine the unconscious bias we all bring to judging artists' work. So critical a conversation for the community of critics in New York City to be having at this moment. Um, they're bringing together a group of highly experienced artists, facilitators, and gatekeepers in a dynamic panel discussion as they share experiences and strategies to disrupt bias and to support diversity and engagement. So the panel discussion is on Monday, January 16th at 7.30. Then there's a workshop portion on Saturday, January 21st at 3 p.m., um, where the workshop will put those topics and strategies discussed in action in a, in a smaller group, I think. So can that I, sounds fantastic. Can I say something about yes, it? Yes, please. Now I'm shaking again because actually I was, I don't I don't even know if I can talk about it, but I was actually invited to be part of that panel. Oh, you are? Yeah. Are you on it? Yeah. Oh! So now everyone <laughs> needs to come see me. Fantastic, Jose. That is awesome. Jose. Yeah. That Where, is awesome. Where's it going to be at? I don't know. Why don't I have the location? I should have this on my camera. You're going to be there, so we're just going to follow I'm going to be, yeah, come see me. Um, we will definitely post that information on the show page. So fantastic, Jose. That is awesome. Okay, the next one I want to talk about is something that I have talked about on the podcast before, and it is a PS122 long table. They are upending their usual format for this and doing a day-long long table that is also a durational sewing bee. And the focus on this is about indigenous cultures and uh, the way they have been, I think, disrespected and harmed and, and about what we can do to uh, better appreciate and especially uh, from a cultural perspective. So the durational sewing bee underpins a large-scale experiment in public engagement and sewing culminating in an all-night outdoor performance. I think that sounds great. It is created by Emily Johnson. Okay. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. And then what happens? American Realness yeah. also has a series of participatory events curated by Ali Rosa Salinas. There are four public conversations, critiques, and public dialogues across a range of issues and ideas. Well, I'm just going to shout out a couple of them. One is a workshop by Jamie Shern Cohen called Aesthetics Live Within the Structure of Whiteness, Just Like We Do. One is called by Tara Asha Willis, Liga Willis, Dana McKell, and Nijia Whitson, Shift Shape. One by M. Lamar and Jamil... Olawe Kosoko in conversation, the incomprehensible Negro. A lot of these are performance conversations. They're combinations of types of multidisciplinary performance and engagement events. Um, okay. And then the last one I won't gonna highlight is that prototype. And this one is called Illumination or Exploitation, Depicting Violence Against Women in Art, a panel discussion. Again, another critical topic at this very moment in arts and culture and society at large. That's on January 8th at 
at the here main stage. Now, that is in addition to tons of talkbacks and other types of engagement opportunities at the festivals. So I'm just really, really excited about those. I think they all sound interesting. I intend to attend as many as possible, although many of them are midday when a lot of us will be at work. Okay. Anyone have anything to add there? Can I co-shout out your shout outs? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Emily Johnson is incredibly smart and cool and everything she does, folks should attend. She's responsible for the sewing circle uh, uh, and yes. has done a lot of work with indigenous cultures and did some, I think she is perhaps from Alaska or lives in Alaska and does work in Alaska and in New York. Very interesting person to keep an eye on. And Ali Rosa Salas is an up-and-coming curator keeping an eye on her. Awesome. Rosa okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> in conclusion, there are tons of other festivals that we didn't even touch on. So I'm just going to speed around mention them. Exponential Festival is new work in Brooklyn venues by New York artists. Which is great last year. Their first year was last yes. year. Yeah. Yes, this is year two for them. And actually, two shows are going to be at that festival that we have talked about. The Loon, that oh. Jose and I attended and talked about. And then Jazzercise, which Liz has mentioned a couple of times. Special Effects, which gathers experimental performance works by practitioners exploring contemporary issues. And it's curated by the Contemporary Performance Network that is at the Wild Project. It's a very brief festival this year. They're just doing three shows on January 6th and 7th. The STEM Fest, storytellers, comedians, playwrights, musicians, and yes, even scientists will show us just how entertaining the world of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics can be. That's at Under St. Mark's, January 4th through the 21st. Squirts, which is the annual event put on by Helix Queer Performance Network, which gathers some of the most exciting voices from New York's queer performance world for two weeks of theater, comedy, music, dance, and conversation. That is on just Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, January 6th to the 15th at La Mama. I mentioned the fire this time briefly. Um, their events are January 16th through February 5th, so a little later. Mm. So you can catch more of their programming because um, not all front-loaded in the beginning of January there at the Crane Festival. Fresh Grind Festival, a new festival this year. Ten staged readings of new plays and musicals January 18th through the 22nd at Theater Lab. Yep. Live Artery, which is New York Live Arts. These are excerpts and... Oh, sorry. Excerpts of recently premiered works and works in progress, presentations by artists commissioned by Live Arts, which is the Bill T. Jones and Arnie Zane Company. And then the New Year, Fe New Year Festival, which is at Ferdman Gallery, January 8th through the 15th, which I have no information about <laughs> because they put just a lineup on their website. And Look it up, you lazy else. bums. I'm sorry, and what is it called? It's called New Year Festival. Ear. Ear. Okay. Like, we're pointing to our ears. Got it. Which, if you try Googling that, good fucking luck. <laughs> because everyone's like, you mean New Year? And it's like, no, no. I don't no. mean New Year. But they're like, well, we're not going to show you what you want. Not super Okay, SEO. so thank you for bearing with us through all that, like, word vomit of information. There's so much going on. You would just be really missing out if you did not take advantage of this time in New York City theater. The same four people we have around this table will reconvene in one week yes. to report on... Everything we have seen, which will be many, many things. Yeah. So 
Get out there, team. It's, here's, here's the thing to say as we leave you as January begins is that this is, as we've mentioned, the most exciting time for us, I think, in yes. New York um, as theater goers. You can, if you want to, spend not a lot of money and just see shows constantly. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you either pick what you're going to see based on either no information at all or something that sounds terrifying to you. Something that sounds like something you would not like. That is the show you're going to see. Um, this is the time to kind of stretch your your tastes and uh, what you think you like. And, and get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Risk, and just King is rewarded in January. Absolutely. So there we are. Let's go get it. All right. Thank you all. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximo Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us all on Twitter. Maximo is at Maximo, M-A-X-A-M-O-O. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn, J-A-C-K-I-N-B-R-O-O-K-L-Y-N. Lydia is at Lydia Mokdesi, L-Y-D-I-A-M-O-K-D-E-S-S-I. Jose is at Jose Solis Mayen, J-O-S-E-S-O-L-I-S-M-A-Y-E-N. And I'm at Lindsay Barons, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-B-A-R-E-N-Z. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping our podcast improve the sound quality. We're back next week with a report from what we've seen at the festivals. See you then. Theatrical Media.